Good afternoon and welcome to episode 35, I believe it is, of the Word Encounter. And so let's get started. Uh, we're going to pick up in chapter 17 of Deuteronomy. And we see here, um, uh, again, let me go over some, some things here with what uh, Moses is doing. Moses is recounting a lot of things that have happened in the past to bring the second generation up to speed. But he's also uh, laying out some uh, regulations and policies and laws, if you will, with regard to how the people are to behave uh, and operate going into the new territory. In, in many ways, he's conducting a civics class uh, with the second generation so that they know how to function uh, in the kingdom of God when they acquire their inheritance. And so you know, if, if we skip down to uh, verse 8 in chapter 17, I find this interesting. <clears throat> If a case is too difficult for you concerning bloodshed, lawsuits, or assaults, cases disputed at your city gates, then go up to the place the Lord your God chooses. You are to go to the Levitical priest and to the judge who presides at that time. <clears throat> Ask, and they will give you a verdict in the case. So in other words, if we're dealing on the lower level of things, uh, lower courts, if you will, and they can't resolve the case, then take it to a higher court so that they can resolve it. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds kind of like how our, our judicial system uh, is set up today. And so in many ways, you know, the, the, the way we operate and conduct our legal system is according to the wisdom that's coming out of the word. And so I just find that interesting. Let's, let's, Let's go down to verse 14. This is something else that uh, I find in interesting. When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, take possession of it, live in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations around me. Hmm. Now, you see, it was never the Lord's intention for the nation of Israel to have a king. He was their king. He had judges in place to judge the people and to resolve cases, but he was the king, he was the leader. That's, that's the only thing that they've known up to this point. But he knew that they were going to be clamoring for a king like the nations around them when they go over into the promised land and acquire their lands. And so he says, okay, since I know they're going to want a king, I'm going to put some rules down for them. In verse 16, however, he must not acquire many horses for himself, or send the people back to Egypt to acquire many horses for the Lord has told you, you are never to go back that way again. So, so this is one of the parameters for the forthcoming Kings is that they are not to go back to Egypt. In verse 17, he must not acquire many wives for himself so that his heart won't go astray. He must not require very uh, large amounts of silver and gold for himself. In other words, the Lord is putting out there, you know, he cannot put himself above the, uh, the, the rest of the people, above the nation. He is not to be superior to his brothers. You know, so he's trying to lay down policies that dictate how this king is to operate and what he's not to do. <clears throat> now, we see that, you know, trying to adhere to this uh, when, when human nature gets involved and whatnot, it's almost impossible, but he's putting it, he's putting it down. This is the way the situation is supposed to be. So let's go on to chapter 18. And so, um, he talks about some of the provisions for the Levites and, and, and then, um, you know, we drop down a little bit 
and talks about some occult practices. I find this very interesting. It says in verse 10, no one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. Now, remember the God of Molech uh, at, at the time, uh, uh, people would uh, uh, sacrifice their sons and daughters, uh, supposedly to extend their mortal life and this, that, and the other. And so the Lord didn't want the Israelites to participate in any kind of rituals like that. Uh, they cannot practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or spiritist, or inquire of the dead. And so we see we're living in a time where, you know, you call 1-900, you know, psychic hotline or, or this, that, and other. And so all of these things are, are violating, um, you know, what, what the Lord finds detestable. Now, why does he find this detestable? He finds this stuff detestable because he is the God of the supernatural. And these other things are counterfeits. You know, these other things are are, are, are trying to satisfy man's needs um, uh, to attach to the supernatural. But instead of going to God, they want to go to these other things to do that. And so God does not does not find that uh, pleasing. And so we move on to verse 12. Everyone who does these acts is detestable to the Lord. See? So everybody who conducts, you know, sorcery or cast spells or inquires of the dead or any of these things, you know, the word says that these people are detestable to the Lord. It says anyone who does these acts is detestable to the Lord. And the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable acts. So because they involve themselves in these things, this is why I am driving them out of these lands for you. Okay. And so this is the reason you want to know the reason. This is the reason they do these things. I do not like them and therefore they have to go. So we uh, drop down to chapter 15 and Moses starts telling the people about something a little bit different. The Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. And so Moses is telling them, Telling, them, telling the people that, like me, there's going to come a prophet that's going to arise from among you. Okay? Let's drop down to verse 17. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I command him. Verse 19. I will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name. Okay? So who might this person be that the word is talking about? Who might this person be such that the that the Lord will hold accountable whoever does not listen to my words that he speaks in my name? This is pointing to Jesus. See, Moses is telling the people about Jesus. They don't know it, but he's foretelling them about Jesus. In verse 20, but the prophet who presumes to speak a message in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods. Okay. So if he speaks in the name of other gods, or if he presumes to speak for the Lord, that prophet must die. God isn't playing with this. <laughs> See, he isn't playing with this. He's saying, look, if somebody comes along and he presumed to speak in my name and I haven't spoken to them, so that they speak to the people, 
he must be gone. Or somebody comes along and they're speaking prophetically for other gods, that's not acceptable. In verse 22, when a prophet speaks in the Lord's name, and the message does not come true or is not uh, fulfilled, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. Okay? So if a prophet speaks and nothing happens that he says was going to happen, the Lord has not spoken to that prophet. That prophet is making stuff up on his own. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. Do not be afraid of him. And so don't listen to what these some of these clowns say. You know, because there are a lot of people out there proclaiming to be prophets and and speaking, you know, thus saith the Lord and and so on and so forth. And uh, you got to be very careful. Got to be very careful. The litmus test is, is what they're saying coming true? If it's not, the word says they're not speaking for me. Okay. So let's go on to chapter 19. And uh, so first we, 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 we get... Uh, this concept, the, the city of cities of refuge and in, in cities of refuge were established, you know, the God told Moses, you know, when you go into the promised land, when people go into the promised land, have them set up cities of refuge. And what this is, is if, if, if a person, um, uh, you know, a, a fellow Israelite, let's say they mistakenly killed another brother, you know, the word gives an example of, let's say uh, an Israelite brother has an ax, he moves the ax back to strike, to chop down the tree the head of the axe flies off and hits another brother and kills him. Well, the family of the brother that got killed is going to want to kill the one that killed their brother. They're going to want vengeance. They're going to want revenge. Well, since that person did not intend to kill anybody, it was an accident. That person can flee to a city of refuge. And if they go to the city of refuge, then the other family cannot enter that city to exact their revenge. It's a protection um, bubble, if you will, for for those that um, would be unjustly killed otherwise. And so it goes into details as far as how to set that up and how to operate that. If we go to verse 15, we get back to a legal system issue. One witness cannot establish any inequity or sin against a person. Whatever that person has done, a fact must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So we see again in our legal system, you know, it takes more than just one or it should take more than just one witness. So the word of sin takes two or three. Now, you get two or three witnesses, they can, you know, come together in cahoots and and they can, you know, collaborate and, and get their story straight. But the fact is, is that the more people that you add that are telling or recounting what they what they witness, the more likely it is you're going to get the truth as opposed to just one person. And so they're setting that, or the Lord is telling Moses to tell the people to set this up. Let's drop down to uh, chapter 20. And so we have uh, the rules for war. So God is laying down the rules for when his people go to war. In verse 2 it says, When you are about to engage in battle, The priest is to come forward and address the army. He is to say to them, listen, Israel, today you are about to engage in battle with your enemies. Do not be cowardly. Do not be afraid, alarmed or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. 
And so the priest's job is to go out and to tell the Israelites the truth. Look, don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. They can't stand up against us, so don't worry about it. <clears throat> and then in, um, uh, as we move on, uh, the officials, the army officials come forward and, and, and they address the army. And they essentially, first they, 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 they ask if, if uh, any of you guys just got engaged, if any of you guys have never enjoyed the fruit, fruits of your labor from your fields, or if you haven't had any experience with some of these pleasures of life, you know, leave. Because you should have that before you go into battle because you might die. And so they want their brothers to experience certain things in life before they go into battle. So we drop down to verse 8. The officers will continue to address the army and say, Is there any man who is afraid or cowardly? <laughs> Let him leave and return home so that his brothers won't lose heart as he did. So if you're going to, you know, if you're not going to man up when we go out to fight, get out of here. We don't want you around us. I would say something, but I'm not. Okay, let's go on to verse 10. When you approach a city to fight against it, make an offer of peace. If it accept, accepts your offer of peace and opens its gates to you, all the people found in it will become forced laborers for you and serve you. Okay, so you, you'll experience the spoils of war. However, if it does not make peace with you, but wages war against you, lay siege to it. When the Lord your God hands it over to you, strike down all its males with the sword. And so when you go into these lands and they don't, they don't give up, they don't surrender, then go in and kill all the men. But you may take the women, dependents, animals, and whatever else is in the city, all its spoil as plunder. You may enjoy the spoil of your enemies that the Lord your God has given you. So you can enjoy these things. This is how you are to treat the cities that are far away from you and not among the cities of the nations um, of these nations. And so the Lord is telling you is telling the nations that are far away from you. That's how you treat them. But the nations that are close to you, you know, then it's a different thing for them. You must not leave any living thing or you, you must not let any living thing survive among the cities of these people the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. You must completely destroy them. The Lord your God has, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that they won't teach you to do all the detestable acts they do for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. It's pretty straightforward. 